Good morning, everybody. Here we go. Now we're awake. All right. All right, so we start off each week with our uh, systematic theology, with our uh, scripture memory passage review. The text this morning is uh, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Who's got it? This is probably two verses that you may not have memorized uh, at some point in your uh, scripture memorizing past. So, anybody have it this morning? Ms. Kristen, it's got it. You want to stand up and say it? Here we go. But in the past, uh, God has spoken, spoke to our ancestors uh, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who has been, was appointed heir of all things, and, and whom also he created the universe. There you go. Very good. Good job. Give her a hand. Come on up. Pick out. Who else has got it? That was not the New King James Version, by the way. Which is totally fine. Thank you. Very good. Anybody else? All right. Fire away. So, God, who at various ways and or at various times and in various ways, in time past, uh, spoke in time past to the prophets, to the fathers, <laughs> by the prophets. There you go. Um, has in these last days spoken to us through uh, by His Son. Yep. Through whom? I'm sorry. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Come on up. Yes. It, there are a lot of uh, clauses in this one, and lots of clauses that can be put in lots of orders are difficult to memorize. So in case if you're ever wondering, why is this passage harder? It's because it can kind of go a lot of different directions. So that's why. And if you look it up in different translations, they put them in different orders for clarity's sake. So, But that's the way that works. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Oh, same. I'm sorry. Go for it. God, who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers, to the prophets. In these days, he spoke to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Absolutely. Very good. Come on up. Looks like I have to restock at Lifeway this week, so that's good. Anybody else? Hmm? Yeah. All right. Open your Bibles. Second Timothy three sixteen. We'll get there in just a second. But if you want to start there, we'll we'll be there in just a minute. So today uh, is chapter four um, of uh, Gruden's systematic theology. Uh, we're in the section on the doctrine of the Word of God, and today we're looking at the four characteristics of Scripture. The first of which Gruden lists is authority. So your first blank there is the authority of Scripture. Means that all the words of Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any, the blank is any, A-N-Y, any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so the first blank there is any. So first section here is all the words in Scripture are God's words. And, and this is really... I mean, quite honestly, what the Bible claims for itself, right? This is stated multiple times in a variety of ways. This first section is almost a recap of last week, so we'll go through this pretty quick. But who's got 2 Timothy 3.16? Who's got 2 Timothy 3.16? Yeah. 
Anybody? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much scripture? All. All. Does anybody have a different translation that says something other than all? Anybody? It's going to say, now's the time to get out your pen and make a correction if it does. Okay, let's keep going. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Absolutely. So what is uh, Paul talking about when he says all Scripture? Specifically, what is he referring to? He's referring back to the Old Testament, right? Okay, so we're referring back to the Old Testament. 2 Peter 1.21, Peter says basically the same thing. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying the Old Testament is a result of the Holy Spirit working through men to write the Scriptures. Okay, so the Old Testament is God's words. So then uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, again, all Scripture is given by inspiration to God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then 1 Timothy 5.18, this is a fun verse because it says, For Scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, one of these quotes is from the New Testament. So Paul is saying that the text in the New Testament is Scripture, right? So if Scripture includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16 applies to the New Testament as well. While specifically written for the Old Testament, the promises and the assumptions about Scripture itself apply to all of Scripture. Does this make sense? So all of Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and is profitable for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So since... This applies to all Scripture. It applies to the New Testament. Therefore, the entire Bible is God's Word. So that's a two-minute summary of all of last week, which we kind of slogged through quite a bit of stuff. So I appreciate you coming back. That's an encouragement. So, okay. Uh, Point number two here that Grudem makes, we are convinced of the Bible's claims to be God's words as we read the Bible. As we read the Bible. So somebody pull out, uh, actually it's in your notes, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. These things, we all, who's, who's uh, writing here? Who else is writing here? Okay. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does, here's your blank, not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Didn't get it. So what's the natural man? Who, who are we talking about with the natural man? The unredeemed, right? The pagans. Those that do not know Jesus Christ. So unbelievers do not receive this, the things of the Spirit of God. So when an unbeliever reads the Bible, they can see that things can be true here. They can see that this is a good source of information, a good source of wisdom. But the Holy Spirit does not move in their hearts like the Holy Spirit moves in the heart of a believer. Right? It's just something different. It's, it's, this is part of the mystery of being a Christian. It's the beautiful aspect of being part of the family of God is that the Holy Spirit treats His children differently than He treats pagans. Okay? And this is a problem for some people because some people go, Oh, no, 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 God treats everybody the same. No, He doesn't. Hang tight with that thought until Judgment Day. And you will see, God does not treat everyone the same. 
It's not the way that works. So keep going with the verse. But the natural man does not, that's the blank, receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, So I have two books. I have Grudem Systematic Theology, and I have uh, my copy of the Bible that I got right before I went to college. So which one is God's Word? The Bible. Yes, there we go. That's your Jesus Christ and Sunday school question for the day. Um, Which one is not the Bible? Systematic Theology is not the Bible. Does this have some of the Bible in it? Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. It's like, that's why it's so heavy, because it's, <laughs> they reprinted like a third of it. Okay? Um, the, the reality is I can read this systematic theology book and learn and know and be able to understand, but the Holy Spirit doesn't work through this book like he works through this book, and that's just the way it is. So please, please, please be careful when I give away resources that you go, oh, this is fantastic. There's some new truth in here. Oop, time out. No, there's not. No, it might be repackaged. It might have a different label. It might have a different format. It might be structured a different way. But this is truth, and everything else is derivative from it. It's a whole big difference. And God works through this differently than he works through this, even if this is like really good stuff. So whatever your, your favorite book is that you've ever read, whether it's theologically or based or not, he works differently through the Bible than he does through everything else. Okay? It's just kind of the way he works. So we'll get back to that in just a second. That made me nervous because I thought it was going to fall. <laughs> Anybody else get nervous because they thought it? Okay. This whole side of the room just kind of set up. All right, so I'm going to read you a section out of Grudem's book. Uh, Point number three, other evidence is useful but not finally convincing. Not finally convincing. This is a quote from the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, This is an old document. It was written in the mid-1600s. All right, so the language is a little different, but it says, We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture and the heaviness of the matter the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, and the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies, and the entire perfection thereof. So we can be blown away with how awesome the Bible is, right? It can be just, wow, this is incredible. And if you've ever studied the Scripture, you know this thing is really amazing. The, the deeper you dig, the more you uncover, Right? But, but, our arguments whereby it does abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God, yet notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. The Holy Spirit does something differently, working through the scriptures that reveals it to us, that they are, in fact, the Scriptures. This is the only way we understand this. So when you read through the Scriptures and you go, wow, that's amazing. And we typically say it this way, I never saw that before. Right? Here's the reality. The Holy Spirit didn't illuminate that before. It was always there. 
All right, this is not a, oh, wow, I got to write something brand new that nobody else has ever... No, the Holy Spirit turned that light bulb on. You went into a different part of that house, and the lights were dark up to that point, and the Holy Spirit turned the lights on. So the Holy Spirit reveals it to us that this is, in fact, God's Word. Now, one of the things that I like about Grudem's book is that he addresses the apparent weaknesses in his book and gives answers for them. Okay? So if you've ever tried to talk to somebody about what you believe about the Bible, and they go, well, yeah, but at my church, we believe this. And you go, uh... They didn't tell me that somebody else believed something different. I don't know how to respond to that. Anybody ever been there? Yeah? Okay. So what Grudem does is he will have a, a next 10 paragraphs or 10 pages sometimes of these are the objections to this, and these are my responses to their objections. And when they object to that, these are my responses to that. And you're going, I think you have spent some time with some people that don't agree with you. <laughs> and this is valuable. Okay. This is very, very valuable. It is valuable to read people that you don't necessarily agree with. It is valuable to talk to people that you don't necessarily agree with. If we don't do that, we'll never witness to a pagan. Right? It's okay. So, number four, the words of Scripture are self, S-E-L-F, self-attesting. They cannot be proved to be God's words by appeal to any higher authority. All right. So, a couple of uh, weeks ago... Uh, we showed a video of a debate in our sanctuary. Anybody remember that? There were two people that were debating. Uh, who were the two people? Bill Nye, Bill Nye the... Science guy. Oh, you watched that show too. Okay. Uh, I never saw it growing up. Didn't have a clue who Bill Nye was. Everyone's like, Bill Nye, it's Bill Nye. And I'm going, I don't know who Bill Nye is. <laughs> remember, television was the devil in my house growing up, so we probably just missed that big chunk of things. So, so it was Bill Nye the science guy and... Ken Ham. Yes, Ken Ham. So, did they agree? Did they, uh, were they civil about it? Yeah, most of the time, right? I think there were some uh, pretty unveiled insults, but they kept it, they kept their voices at least calm, right? I think we pretended to be civil at most points. Um, But one of the things that Bill Nye I don't think he ever stated it, but he kind of said, well, the only way that you can prove that the Bible is true is by using the Bible. Now, let's, let's talk about that for a sec. The Scripture is self-attesting. The, the Scripture does say, I am true, right? We've just spent time looking at the verses that say, the Bible says that the Bible is true. Okay, great. So isn't this a circular argument? But you have to go to that source to prove that that source is true. So let's talk about higher authorities. <clears throat> and I've done this in here before, and it's going to mess with you again, so just deal with it. Um, so, how many of you were taught to stack books like this growing up? Yes. Why? The bigger one's on the bottom, right? Some of you are going, no, that's not what I was taught about those two books. Miss Carrie, what were you taught about these books? God's Word's on the top, right. Even if this is the copy of God's Word, then it should go on. This is making you nervous right now, I know. It's like, you know what that is? That's your legalism bone going, no! That's what that is. Um, 
Yeah, it also doesn't go on the floor. You, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of rules, rules around it. So here's my question. Uh, Ken, Ham, Ken Ham's ultimate authority is what? The Bible. Bill Nye's ultimate authority is what? Himself. himself. Right. Some of you would, might be tempted to say science, but he actually stands in judgment of science himself because he interprets science. So here's my question. You always, always have a somewhat circular argument whenever you are trying to prove what is the highest authority. Because you have to use that highest authority because that's the, it stands in judgment of all else when you make this comment. So just because somebody who doesn't believe the Bible to be true says that's a circular argument, fantastic. The response then is, what do you believe is the highest authority in the universe? Well, I believe science is. Really? Why do you believe science is? Well, because I believe this and this and this and this and this. Well, actually what you just said was that you think you're the highest authority in the universe because you just stood in judgment of science. So the reality is you can put anything else you want to on the other side of the equation. It's fundamentally only two options. It's fundamentally either God and His Word are the ultimate authority in the universe or man is. That's it. That's really it. So you have to use a somewhat circular argument on either side of that to justify it. Does this make sense? Okay. So the point I'm making, and I'll get off the logic train here in just a second, is that if you want to choose logic to supersede and oversee what your final authority is, please understand, and this is going to mess with your heads, that logic itself has limits. Okay? Logic itself has limits. And in in many times in my life, I have put logic as the ultimate authority just under myself that, well, it has to be... It has to be logical for me to understand it. Not really. It really doesn't. I promise you, it really, really doesn't. Okay? So that's, that's the, the logic piece of today. Now, uh, objection, I and mean, I kind of got into this already. Number five, this is a circular argument. And uh, Brudem's statement is, all arguments for an absolute authority must ultimately appeal to that authority for proof. Right? Because if that's the ultimate authority, you've got to go back to that for proof. So the question that I put, and I probably should have put it on statement five, is who is the, author- the highest authority to you? Who is the highest authority to you? Now, if you're honest, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this question this week. Uh, if I'm honest, I will have to say that that changes, sometimes on an hour-by-hour basis for me as I go throughout the day. Because sometimes it's God and His Word, the ultimate authority. And sometimes I realize I'm standing in judgment of that. So while I don't like to say that I am, I'm putting myself there. Right? Now, most of you probably have some type of a job where you have a higher authority that you go to for questions. When there's a problem, I go to so-and-so for questions. And, And in many of our jobs, depending upon the type of question is who you go to. Right? So if I have a question about this, then I go to Bill. If I have a question about this, then I go to Susan. If I have a question about this, then I go to Brad. Right? So who's the highest authority? Because I find many times in my life that God's not the highest authority in the practice of my life. Now, if I, if I write out a theory paper on how I believe and perceive my life to be lived, oh, it's always about God. Absolutely. But if you then take that and compare it to, so how did you live yesterday, Jim? 
What does that look like? That's a little tougher. Okay, that's a little tougher. So I just want us to be aware of that. All right, so next statement Grudem's got is to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. Um, have you ever heard a sermon, and, and it was an awful sermon? Anybody ever heard a bad sermon? Oh, come on, let's be honest. Anybody ever heard a bad sermon? Yes. Like, right? I mean, we've all heard some bad sermons. Have you ever heard a bad sermon and then seen people respond? And you're like, how? How is that possible? This guy flubbed it. He dropped it and dragged it all over the place and it was horrible. He didn't have a single example. It made sense and he stumbled over his words and he actually botched some of the reading of Scripture itself and still people responded. Yep. It's a gentle reminder that it's not about us or how polished we are or how professional or smooth or slick or prepackaged everything is. Um, It's about the Word of God. And God has made certain promises about His Word that will come true. And good preachers, I'm not saying good speakers, there's a significant difference between a good preacher and a good speaker. Good preachers will always say, here is the truth, what are you going to do with that? There is no, no substitute for that. This is what God's Word says. It has authority, it has power, it has strength. I do not. I love Gary's little statement that he makes. Take it up with management, I'm in sales. And in reality, that's, that's what it is, right? Here's the truth. What are you going to do with that? So, to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. So let's talk for a second about the truthfulness of Scripture. That's awesome. In a galaxy far- <laughs> Oh, no, that was awesome. Feel, feel, feel free to interrupt at any time with that. That's, that's just fantastic. That is totally staying in the podcast. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> the truthfulness of Scripture. Fantastic. All right, number one, God cannot lie or speak falsely. How many of you are happy about this? Yes, I'm incredibly happy about this. This is wonderful. Uh, I can't wait to do this series later this year on the things that God cannot do. I am really looking forward to this because it doesn't put God in a box. It gives us reassurance. It gives us some confidence. It gives us some faith that this is what he is. So Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Hebrews six eighteen that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Don't you like that? It is impossible for God to lie. I'll take that one to the bank. 2 Samuel 7, 28. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. You have promised this goodness to your servant. His words are true. Now, let's look at the second one here. Therefore, all the words of Scripture are completely true and without error in any part. A-N-Y. Without error in any part. Let's flip over to uh, Psalm 12, 6. Psalm 12, 6. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth. 
purified once or twice. <clears throat> once or twice is good enough, right? How many of you ladies like jewelry? Like jewelry? Um, anybody ever got new jewelry that was not real? Like fake jewelry? Yes. <laughs> yeah, now's not the time to ask your man that question. So, um, Actually, Daryl asked me that question. Daryl asked you that question. That's... that's uh, that's probably a, uh, a good father-in-law requ- job requirement there, to put that in, to check to make sure, kick it, drop a little, you know, it's good. Um, <clears throat> did anybody ever give you jewelry that they told you was real that you found out later was not? Anybody over there? Yes? Really? Not, I mean, no. Oh, okay. Not, not it's like I wasn't expecting any yeses. Oh, my, oh we got to explore this a little, so... Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, have you ever seen flaws in jewelry? You ever seen flaws in jewelry? My original wedding band has a flaw. Um, this is not my original wedding band. My original wedding band's flaw is that it, it shrunk. Um, <laughs> it shrunk considerably, in fact. Multiple sizes. It's, it's just this, this crazy thing. Woke up one morning and I was like, I think I have a problem here. This is, this is bad. So we did what any self-respecting Christian family would do. Uh, we got on QVC and ordered me another one. And this one has not shrunk, I am pleased to say. Uh, this one does, however, what was this, $37, something like that? Yeah, it was, it was less than 50 bucks. I know it was less than 50 bucks. It's fantastic. This one does, however, you see that? Little nick in it, little dings, little scratches. You know why? Because I live in this thing, right? And, and I bump it up against stuff, and it, and it gets scratched, and, and that's okay. But there are some metals that, that I could have hit them against whatever I hit this against, and there would not be a little ding there. What would some of those metals be? What's that? Tungsten. Good. Is that what you have? Tungsten. I, I've got a feeling that I could uh, abuse and mistreat this thing, and, and you're in good shape, right? He winked at me like, yeah, you just go for it, big boy. Okay. Man, that's got some weight to it. I want you to, yeah, that's like, yours is like twice as heavy. That's ridiculous. Wow. And mine's twice as big. Yeah. It's because there's something of substance there. There's something that's pure. There's something that's been refined. There's something that somebody took some time to craft and make sure that it was right. And the scripture says in Psalm uh, 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So you purify something and all the junk comes to the top and they scrape that off. And you purify it again and and the the rest of the junk comes to the top and they scrape that off. You purify it again and they scrape it off. And you purify it again and again and again. And the ultimate goal is that the person doing the purifying can what? Anybody know? See your reflection. And when you see your reflection in that liquid, that, in that metal that's in a liquid form, you know that it's what? It's pure. So, so when God says that his word is purified seven times, what he's saying is that he can see his reflection in it, which is why when we look in it and get convicted about our sinful lives, it's because God is looking back. Does this make sense? Yeah, so it's pure. It is true. There's no errors. 
There's two more verses there. Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. And Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. All right, we'll end with this third point here. God's words are the ultimate standard of truth. T-R-U-T-H, truth. Jules, can I get a marker? Thanks. Now, there's some interesting stuff that goes on here. Uh, Bud, can you help me for a sec? Thanks. Can you hold this? Just so I can see it? Thanks. So, there's some interesting stuff that goes on here um, in this verse. Now, I want you to look at this verse in your copy of your scripture. Okay? So, I want you to open it up and look at it. It's John 17, 17. It says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There are different parts of speech in different languages, right? We learn about these when we're kids, and we generally forget them the next day. Yes. Uh, There are verbs. Those are words that do things. There are nouns. Those are words that are things. And there, there are words like adjectives. Those are words that describe things. It's pretty good definitions, wasn't it? Not too bad uh, for a math guy. All right. There is, uh, in this verse, uh, a variety of different types of words. Sanctify them by your truth. This is a noun. Your word is truth. Another noun. True is an adjective. It describes something. Truth is a thing. What does your copy of the scripture say? True or truth? Because if it says true, it is not a very clear translation of that word. Because your word is truth. It has substance. It is the thing that all other derives from. Now, Got an example for you. One plus one equals dos. dos. Equals two. This is a true statement. It is not truth. There is a difference. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Here's the funny uh, inception theology moment for the day. That verse is truth. You get it? Because it's inside. Okay, that's right. You'll think about it when you've woken up. I know you lost an hour last night. I'll give you, yeah, forgive you for that. True describes truth is a thing. This is a big deal. Now, what is truth? That's the question, right? Thank you, but appreciate you. Truth is what the Bible says is truth. Truth about anything is what God says about that thing. So if I want to know what God thinks about me, I look in the Bible and find out what God says about me. That is truth. Does this make sense? Don't substitute truth for something that contains things that are true. It doesn't go like this. When we talk about the authority of the Scripture, 
We stand under the authority of the Scripture. That means the Scripture is over us. This is a big deal. Theologically, it's a big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get away with it from that perspective, okay? This is how we live our lives many times. We take somebody's opinion at work. We take something we saw on TV. We take something that we saw on the Internet, and we say, oh, that is, I'm going to live my life by that. No, 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 no. That's derivative from the source of truth and truth itself, the Scriptures. This is what we say when we say, this is what we mean when we say the authority of the Scriptures. It is above all else. Does this make sense? That's the Sunday School lesson for today, guys. Authority of the Scripture. Next week, we're going to be looking at... Oh, I didn't read the hymn. Got to do that real quick. So next week's Scripture memory passage is 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The hymn is Standing on the Promises. No doubt some of you could quote this whole thing. Uh, I'm going to read it. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. That, that hymn is all about the Scripture. From start to finish, it's all about the Scripture. So next week, we look at the inerrancy of Scripture, and then we'll pick back up with the other three characteristics that we'll talk about. Clarity, necessity, and sufficiency. So at your tables, if you will make sure that your name is on the Sunday school uh, sheet there in the middle. If you also make sure you read through those announcements, we've got a, couple, we've got a new one there this week uh, that talks about the, the egg totes that are in the corner. So we want to make sure we get uh, through that information as well and uh, pray at your table, if you will, and you are dismissed. Thanks for coming today. We do need to stack the chairs when we're done this morning. Thanks so much.